Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Today, we are continuing an interview that we started last week. This interview is with Debbie Mirza. She's a best-selling author in the field of covert narcissism. We're going to just dive right in. If you missed last week, go back and listen. It is so worth the time. This is the continuation of that interview. So the next question is, I really want to know how to get over the narcissist. How does one take the information that makes sense to get over the abuse, like no contact, which sounds logical, but it isn't easy when trauma bonded? How do you stop thinking about them and trying to make sense out of this kind of at the same time? I think one thing, well, a couple things there. Um, It would be good and helpful for everyone, if you haven't done this already, to do a search on the term trauma bonded because there's something about reading more and more information about what that even means because that is an attachment thing that happens when you're with an abuser Mm -hmm. um and we can end up you know we're being traumatized by them and we can end up making excuses or staying with them because we feel bad or they went through a bad you know, bad childhood and, or we see glimpses of hope. So we keep putting ourselves in the line of fire um, because of this idea of trauma bonding. And so the reason I say, like, I can explain it to you, but for you to sit down and really read articles just on this one thing is going to help go from an emotional space to a more intellectual logical space, which really helps with the whole of cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And so for you to read it, your eyes are going to see, Oh, I, this is actually what I'm doing, you know, and that actually is going to help you be able to separate from them. When you see what's actually the dynamic that's happening, the dynamic that you've gotten used to, and many of us, you know, get this from childhood because we're just used to playing this role, you know, with a parent who caused us a lot of trauma. Um, well, we're used to pouring, we're used to pouring all that energy, like the description you just gave in the gray rock. We're pouring all of that energy into them, and we just keep doing it, which keeps us trapped in that trauma bond. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and. Um, so I would say that that is something that would be helpful to do. The other thing that helps with getting over them, and and this is not an overnight thing. This is this will take time, um, but it's helpful to even just write down. I remember doing this at some point. I may have put this in worthy worthy of love. I hope I did. <laughs> um, yeah, and worthy of love is all about. I talk about my own healing process. And give specific exercises and things for people to do in order to heal. So any of those that feel like you have the information, now you're really focused on healing. That would be the perfect um, book for you right now. Uh, But one thing that I did was I needed to see clearly, like, you know, this um, person is addressing. And it's so emotional. And so I ended up just writing down, let me just write down all of the things he said to me, 
all of the behaviors that I've noticed, you know, just separating myself from emotion, it helped me just to look at this list and go, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people to become a news reporter, like a journalist. You just write. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's eye-opening. Yeah. It's very eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because we can end up swirling about, you know, one conversation. And so it's helpful just to write down, okay, let me just look at the straight up behaviors and words that were spoken. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's absolutely great advice. So, so after escaping, how does the victim trust again? How do you learn to trust yourself or another person after coming out of a narcissistic marriage? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And that's what we all deal with and feel. Um, So I feel like these opportunities, these relationships are a wake-up call for more than this relationship um, that we experienced. And what I mean by that, and maybe I'll like tell a bit of a story. Um, this story I tell in the beginning of Safest Place Possible, if this sounds familiar to people, I... After this relation, a very I had a very long relationship, and after it ended, um, I was so lost and very de- like deeply depressed. And I asked myself, um, "What is it you need right now? Is there anything at all that sounds good to you?" Because <laughs> during that time in my life, like nothing sounded good to me. Nothing sounded exciting. I didn't have anything that was motivating me to, you know, except like having to take care of kids. Um, and the only thing I could think of, I just thought, you know, what sounds so nice. I just want to run away. I just want to run away from my life. I want to run away so far. I want to go somewhere where no one knows me. The scenery is completely different. The culture is completely right. different. I just want to run. I wanted to escape. Yeah. Run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of, in certain cases, running away. Yes. <laughs> um, so I didn't know how to do that. I had kids to take care of. I had responsibilities. How could I you know, financially afford it? Because that's another way they abuse is financial abuse. So that was an issue in my life. And I had mentioned it to my dad at one point, just in passing. It's like, God, that would be amazing. And then just went on with my life. And then a month later, he um, wrote me and said, I have a friend in Bali who owns a villa. And they said, you can stay there for free. I was like, what? Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he said, this is something that happened to, I've talked to other people and I don't know how this was for you, Renee, but during the darkest times, it just seemed like there would be people that popped up at the right time for me or a book that came to me at the perfect time or an article or a video. It just, I felt held through yeah. this, even though I, I had times of feeling so alone, you know? Yeah, um, that is absolutely true. I went through the same thing. And the more I connected with that, the more I opened my heart to it, the more opportunities came. 
Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And so this was one of those times. And he said, I will take care of your kids for you. Long story short, I ran away (laughs) (laughs) and it was the best thing I did for myself. And I ended up going to remember the book, eat, pray, love. Yes. Yeah. So she went, a lot of the book was when she was in Bali, she worked with this medicine man, um, Balinese medicine man. And so I thought if I'm here, I need to meet Katut. (laughs) 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 I'd never done anything like that. And I sat (laughs) with him at that time. He was too old to um, do sessions with people or readings or whatever. And so this other guy said he would do it, but I sat next to Katut and held his hand and he was just so sweet. And I know people will relate to this, like when you've been treated so awfully awful by a covert narcissist, just the kindness of Mm -hmm. a stranger, a kind, the kindness of a cashier at the grocery store, it just brings you to tears. And so just to feel this man, like, I think especially because it was men helping me because I had my wounding, most of my wounding in life have been from men, but there have been women too. And this definitely isn't a gender thing. It's both, right. I think, right. almost equal. Um, so I want to make that clear. Um, but just for my own personal experience, to have a man look at me with such loving eyes and just feel the authenticity of that caring and the the Balinese man, you know, he looked at my palms and and then he looked at me really concerned and um, just talked. Well, he said, in this life, you will have two marriages. Okay. <laughs> and he, he said, first one, very confusing. And he just, his like brows like furrowed. He looked really concerned and he's like, not good for your heart not good for your heart. And I just started just sobbing. And he kept saying, you must take care of your heart. You must take care of your heart. When you take care of your heart, or when you're happy, more happy come to you. (laughs) That's what he said. I know. And just that alone broke something open for me that night. I went back to my villa. I just curled up on the floor in the corner of that room and just sobbed. And I spoke to myself. I I started like talking to my heart (laughs) because I just kept hearing, you must take care of your heart. You must take care of your heart. And I spoke to my heart and I, as if she was like a young girl. And I said, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so deeply sorry because I know like for some reason I let this happen. Like I'm not blaming myself at all. Just only compassion. You know, I didn't see it. Like we don't see it and we need to have a tremendous amount of grace for ourselves with that. There's a reason we didn't see it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not our fault. And I spoke to my heart and I said, I promise you things are going to be different from this moment on. I am going to treat you with respect and kindness. I'm going to listen to you. I apologize for an entire life of talking you out of things, yeah. <laughs> not honoring you, not listening to you, not, you know, guarding you, <laughs> protecting you. And that's going to, that's going to change. 
And when I got back, I completely changed how I spoke to myself. And that was the birth of the safest place possible. And even to the point I, at the time I was going to this gym and working out and I went to the gym and I was lifting weights and my whole body just felt like I don't want to be here. So I just put the weights down. I left the class. I walked outside <laughs> and I, and I, cause my heart just became like, you are number one right now. And I just like talked to myself. I was like, what do you need? Do you not want to be here? I will leave in a second if you right. don't want to be here. Right. I just became like fiercely protective of my heart. And so I went back, I put my weights away. I said, goodbye. I never, I never returned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was just this, that I, it was this beginning of every millisecond. How are you? What do you need? You know, this, just creating this new relationship. And I share this story because I think sometimes stories are just so helpful for us to like, you know, see a point I'm trying to make and, and paint a picture of this is a new, this is a chance for us to completely change how we treat ourselves and we behave in the world and really relearn how to honor that heart of us, that of ours that has been wounded and that we probably haven't honored, you know, um, until now. So I don't even remember now what the question was, but for some reason. Well, the question is, how do you me. learn to trust again? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, Starting with that, getting connected, asking yourself, how are you? What do you need? And then really starting to, going along with that, learn to notice your body. Because that's one thing with covert narcissism, we can have the narcissist in front of us looking polished, sounding polished, sounding confident. Everyone around us respects them thinks they're amazing, right. <laughs> thinks we're so lucky to have them. And for some reason, when they're speaking to us, our stomach feels tight. For some reason, we can't think clear anymore. We feel clouded in our head. We notice our shoulders drooping, you know? And so these are the things, like when we talk about red flags, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not what they're saying or doing. It's what our body is feeling. And so it's so important as far as trusting other people to first learn to trust yourself and first learn to start noticing my stomach's tight and it's tight for a reason. And I don't even need to know why. So maybe I need to leave this room right now. Maybe I need to leave this conversation and just go be with that and figure out what's going on. Right. Um, and so before we trust other people, it really, ha it, you'll, the more you'll feel more confident, the more you learn to trust yourself, because then it's not about the other person. It's about, I know, I trust myself to know if this person is good for me or not. And also, the more you do this, and the more you treat yourself with love and care, you're going to get so used to that feeling that when you're with someone and they behave in a certain way that isn't loving, you're going to be able to recognize that a lot sooner. Right. So I would say that that's like, that's like the long-term path to the whole issue of trusting people. 
Yeah. I mean, it's learning to to listen to your listen to you again, learning to listen mm-hmm. to your body, listen to your heart, listen to your your soul, listen to your energy. It's all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Excellent answer to that. Uh, next question is, I find it. This concludes our time today, but we still have more to offer in this interview. I hope that you are truly enjoying this time with Debbie Mirza and the incredible knowledge that she brings to the topic of covert narcissism. Please join us next week for the last part of this interview. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.